It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast. I'm Chris Castellani, joined by my boss, and friend Anthony Broom. Before we jump into talking about the two games that went down last week, Michigan one and one last week, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and we'll discuss both those games. I do want to thank our loyal listeners out there for the positive feedback that came back following our interview with Stu Douglas. It was really a lot of fun, and I hope that we can get to do more of those. Stu was a remarkably good sport, and uh, like like we said multiple times, listen to his podcast, Go Blue with Stu. I mean, some really fun content coming out of there on the uh, Field of 68 uh, podcasting uh, umbrella network. So so listen to, uh, listen to all those, and now let's move ahead to what was a the most mixed bag at, that you can get in a week of Michigan hoops they go one and one they played a let's just call it for what it is they played a flawless game against Wisconsin earlier in the week and and there are games that this team has played wins that this team has had Maryland on the road Northwestern at home that probably are less impressive now than they were at the time Northwestern I believe now like six and five they were number 19 in the country when Michigan played them this was not only a great win, but this is a great win that's going to stick. Wisconsin's not going anywhere. That's a darn good basketball team. They're well coached. You know, they've had that system in place forever. Demetric Trice is one of the best players in the Big Ten. And this was a 23-point drubbing. And much like the Minnesota game from two weeks ago, it was less close than the score actually indicated. Michigan was winning by 40, by 40 at one point in this game. That doesn't happen against Wisconsin. It doesn't happen in the Big Ten. It barely happens at all. I mean, if you're playing the worst of your preseason opponents, you're lucky to get up by 40 at any point. I mean, this was, it was a nationally televised game. 
I think another moment where the national media started to realize that this is a team that at their best is another unit that is probably capable of playing with and maybe even beating any team in the country. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, that was a game where I think we've talked about this before on here. And of course, you know, hello, nice to see you again. Uh, it's, it's been a few days here, but um, yeah, just complete on both ends of the floor. And I think this is what really bums me out. And it's not really a, a basketball take as much as it is, you know, kind of the situation we're dealing with, with no fans in the building, like that, the, the ingredients were there for that to be the most bonkers that place had ever been. Um, and there was quite a bit of energy in the building from, you know, the players and, and they do have families there now, but that was a lingering thought of mine. Just, I think it speaks to how impressive, how thorough a performance that ultimately was. Like I said, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's, you know, what's been the take throughout the whole year? Yeah, Michigan looks good, but they haven't played anyone. And then they've played whatever it was. They beat three straight top 25 teams by at least 19 points, which is the first time that's ever been done. And to do it against a Wisconsin team that, like I said, uh, that final score was nowhere close to as lopsided as that game was. So just, just a complete effort from top to bottom. An interesting juxtaposition considering what we'll talk about later on in the show For sure but you know austin davis was back that the depth was on display you know they're they're running chasing down loose balls and and you know dunking and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff up like 30 or they were up 69 to 29 at one point yeah so i mean yeah it, it was the most dominant michigan basketball performance on that stage in terms of you know given who the opponent was conference game big test that maybe I've ever seen. So yeah. again, um, I, I, it, that's more, that's probably the best case scenario of what they are and what they can be. And we've seen a lot more basketball like that this year, maybe not to that extent of being up by 40, than you know, some of the, the concerns we'll talk about here in a bit, but that was just a, I don't know how else to put it folks. That was an ass kicking. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a ton of fun, man. It's some of the most fun you're going to have watching sports. The definition of a complete performance. And, you know, sports are not – we, we you shouldn't deal in absolutes, right, in sports. It's statistics, records, those are things that are fluid, that are made to be broken, made to be changed. But I, I am I could say with confidence, no team has ever lost a basketball game in which they've had a 43-6 to six run. I mean, the, the it, that, like, period, it lasted like a 10-, 15-minute stretch where – Mich- everything Michigan was shooting was going in the basket. But it, I say that as if like they were for- jacking up shots and they were going in. They were getting great looks, backdoor cuts, easy layups, mid-range shots, open threes. And on the other end, you literally heard what the, uh, I believe it was Dan Fleming or Dave Fleming who was covering uh, that game said, Wisconsin can't even uh, complete a pass, let alone get a shot off right now. It was, it was the, 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 the ceiling. I feel like of this basketball team, like if this team wants to be as great as they believe they can be, uh, that's, that's, that's their ceiling. That's how good they can be. And that it was on full display in that game against Wisconsin. And one thing that we pointed out before is that this team's growth as a defensive unit, even within the last month, even since, you know, the Penn state game probably was the first time I felt like they played a really solid defensive game. Uh, It's been staggering. And we, I I alluded to, I talked about it at length last week about how I think Juwan's realizing just how good the athletes 
on this team actually are and how difficult it can be just to get a shot over Franz Wagner, or get a shot over Chandy Brown or try to get something going inside against a Hunter Dickinson. It was, it was a virtuoso performance. I mean, 56% from three point range, you know, you only shot four free throws, but which is kind of amazing, but you had so many open looks. You didn't need to, you know, kind of grind down low and what made it even better is that they were up 17 at halftime. The game was over at halftime because Wisconsin couldn't get a shot off. I mean, they held the ball for the last 51 seconds of the half and got one shot off and it hit the bottom of the rim. But they dominated both halves, but especially the first half, and Hunter Dickinson had two points. So that, that shows that this is a team, even with their best player relatively neutralized, is a team that can have a lot of success. And I think a big reason for that is that Mike Smith played, you know, one of his better games at Michigan, 16 points, six assists. Now, I was as disappointed as anybody when David DeJulius announced that he was transferring. And I still believe David DeJulius is going to be a wonderful, wonderful player at Cincinnati. But you look at the way this offense runs when he's not forcing things and the fact that he's, he's a solid scorer as well. Uh, he is a point guard that is so perfectly suited for the Juwan Howard offense. And it seems like when he's rolling, he just makes other players around him better. Yeah, I've been pretty, I've been pretty surprised by what he's been at his best. I mean, we knew what the book on him was, to a certain extent, in terms of this is a guy coming out of the Ivy League. We think he he's capable to score. Uh, we think he's a capable passer. You're kind of hoping that he can just be adequate defensively, but I, I think at times maybe he hasn't been had quite the scores touch that some people thought he would. But um, the way that he plays within the confines of the offense, you know. I thought that Xavier Simpson last year had a pretty good year and took a lot of unnecessary crap given the transition and right. new system and things like that. But it, it always did feel like a square peg in a round hole. Um, mm-hmm. This is different. It's been a lot more fluid, you know, at least up through Wednesday's or Tuesday's game than with Mike Smith at, at the point. And I think that's, it's just been, I mean, we, we saw when we talk about this next game, we'll talk about the the chain reaction that just being down one guard can have. But the fact that he's come in and played as well consistently as he has, again, there are games here and there where he hasn't, you know, you can tell he's still very much a guy who is getting up to speed on the rigors of what this league is. And there's a lot of, still a ton of basketball left to be played too. But, you know, Mike Smith, I, I just think, I can't, from a personality standpoint, from a skill set standpoint, from a, if you want to call it schematic standpoint, I mean, it has been, and him, really him and Shondi Brown, I mean, that's, Michigan has set the new bar for what transfers can be. And a lot of times you get these guys that just, you know, they plug and play and, you know, maybe they have a big year, maybe they kind of fall by the wayside, but Juwan Howard hit home runs with both of those guys. And, uh, I still think there's, there's a little bit more to scratch there in terms of what those guys taking the next step as well. So again, um, I feel like a broken record saying it, but home runs and building the roster home runs in developing this identity of what they want to be. And, and like I said, that it was a, they were, I think they were 10th on Kempom coming into that game and, and the thorough beating that it was, sent them up to like fourth just as soon as they put the post game data in there. So that's how impressive. And we'll talk about this will loop back into what we talk about later, but that 
it wasn't just your eyeballs. Like that was, that was a thorough destruction. And I think that something we've talked about too, is with how deep Michigan is. And we talk, those guys keep coming at you and coming at you in waves. When a team like Wisconsin, I think we saw them break in that game too. Like they were just, the bottom completely fell out for them. And that's, you know, what's the old adage in football? You run, you keep running the football until finally the other team wears down and you pop one late. And I think that's what we've seen um, with some of these second half runs that this basketball team has gone on. Yeah. I, you know, they, they quit I, really. And that's not, that's not even a knock against them, but once that thing got to, to 25, 30, it, it was, it was weird. And obviously the weirdness is elevated because there's few fans in the seats, but it really did feel like a scrimmage. It was just like Michigan brings ball up court. Michigan gets open. Look, Michigan makes open. Look, Wisconsin turns the ball over, misses a contested shot, rinse, repeat, recycle. It was, it was a joy to watch. You did bring up that Austin Davis was back very effective at, uh, off the bench, which is where he'll, he'll be uh, the remainder of his career at Michigan. Hunter Dickinson officially take, you know, we knew early on took the reins in that role and is the starting center, but 12 minutes, two for four from the floor, four rebounds, four points. Great. You get that out of your backup center, one assist as well, efficient game. It was also noticeable in the second half. He's still not completely healthy. You saw him limping around a little bit, and that's that's a difficult issue to, to come back from. That's a lingering problem. The last point I wanted to make is Franz Wagner was the best player on the floor against Wisconsin, and I think that as great as Dickinson has been, he's been awesome. I think this team is at their best when Franz Wagner's the best player. And 15 points, 10 rebounds, four steals for Wagner. He, as a defender... It's unfair because he'll always be compared to his brother, but the one aspect of his game that even as a freshman was infinitely better than where his brother ever was at Michigan was as a defender, this guy's elite. And he has some of the longest arms on the team. How many, I can count four or five instances just in the last two weeks in which he's had the turnover for touchdowns type of thing. He knocks the ball away, steals the ball, turns it into a contested or uh, turns it into a breakaway layup or dunk. It, He's, you know, Dan Dockage brought up on the broadcast and forever controversial, but he's right. This guy is the best NBA prospect in, in, in the big 10 right now. He is likely to be a top 15 lottery pick. Maybe, you know, if he drops maybe as low as top 20, but he's an elite athlete and played a phenomenal game against Wisconsin last week. Just a fun, just an amazing performance. Now it, it's ironic because I think I came on the brewcast and said that after they lost that game to Wisconsin football, that it was the, the worst, most unprepared performance I've ever seen by a Michigan football team. And here basically the antithesis of that, this was as good as complete, as dominant, as efficient a performance as really as I've ever seen by a Michigan team. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota State gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, the Maze and Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. And it makes, transitioning now, what happened on Saturday all the more surprising. Michigan loses to Minnesota on Saturday, and uh, they got they they got their barn doors blown off. I mean, they lost by 18. This was a fairly non-competitive game. They hung with them in the first half. This was a game it, from the first four minutes, and we were texting about it in our in our group chat with with our friend Luke as well. It felt off from the jump. Something felt weird. Now it needs to be you know going back here a second. Eli Brooks missed the game, rolled an ankle, I believe, against Wisconsin, did not did not play, did travel, but did not play against Minnesota. Eli Brooks has been the X factor for this basketball team. Eli Brooks has taken on a different role probably than what he expected to take on when he came to Michigan, but he hasn't complained. He's one of the best defenders in the conference, especially a on-ball defenders. You saw that on full display, won them the Penn State game with his defense in the latter part of that game where Michigan was really struggling to put the ball in the basket. Not having him was a, a big loss and it hurt the depth in this basketball team. And it hurt this team's ability to, uh, to guard. They became a weaker defensive team, but uh, even if he's there in hundred percent, they don't win this game. They, they did not move the ball. They didn't shoot the ball. They didn't facilitate. They turned the ball over way too much. And that's the one issue because uh, they played so well over the last two weeks. You forget about some of the things early in the season that became problems. One of them was a lot of laziness with the passing and a lot of, a lot of boneheaded boneheaded turnovers, even from some of your better players like Dickinson did not play well at all. A lot of turnovers on Saturday it's it was a strange game to watch because it's very rare you see a team play that great against a, an opponent and then come back later in the week with such a dud. I guess that the question everyone's going to ask, and I've been trying to ask it, like outside of what I just said, what happened here? Well, <laughs> it, it's tough to to pinpoint what it was went weird. wrong. It was just weird, man. Because everything went wrong. Yeah. Um, it's one of those games where, first of all, I don't know what it is about, and this is kind of getting into the weeds with broadcasting and television talk. I don't know who's in charge of doing like the white balance for games that are played at Minnesota, but the court was way too bright. Um, <laughs> my eyes hurt right off the bat. Um, the analysis, knowing who was calling the game, made me want to uh, hurl myself into oncoming traffic. So right off the bat, a tone was set of, I was just not comfortable being there. 
And, and that's kind of how the team played as well. Um, everything went wrong. I don't know how else to put it. They did. They didn't do. They didn't do anything right except there was a point in the second half where, like, they still kept coming. They still kept fighting. But mm-hmm. you know, when a guy like Liam Robbins, who was was totally erased from that first matchup uh, with Michigan, you know, when that guy's hitting threes, I think he hit three of them in the second half. That's just one of those. Do you throw? Nothing's going right. You throw your hands up. You shrug your shoulders and say, "All right, we'll get him next time." We weren't going undefeated this year. It was Marcus Carr. Like I said, he was, he's, he is who he is. I think he's, he will fill up a stat sheet, but I don't think, you know, he's very, uh, one of those high usage players. I mean, he'll throw up an eight for 20. I think he was five for 16 against Michigan in that first game. Uh, but you know, those guys pretty much combined to score half of Minnesota's points on their own. Um, again, it was just one of those, you know, there's the old story where I forget what the game was where, Michigan State played a game that was so bad that Tom Izzo took the tape and smashed it. Smashed it with a sledgehammer, yeah. Yeah, that was one of those games. And it was going to be an uphill battle without Eli Brooks. That was that was difficult. Him not being there, to me, had a chain reaction on everything that took place on Saturday. The ball movement was, was really bad. Awful. Um, there were some lapses on the defensive side of the ball. The rotations were odd, and I don't know – that does fall on Juwan, but this, I get the vibe that this was something that was, it was obviously something that happened with Eli late in the week where he's, you know, in a walking boot. So they didn't practice a ton, if at all, before taking the court. And, you know, you miss one guy, especially at a position where Michigan's not particularly deep anyways. That's why Mike Smith is here this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where, Again, I don't know if how I put that on Juwan, but at a certain point when the game was going as bad as it was, you maybe you're just putting some weird combos out there just to see what it looks like. I mean, the, there was a combo with Zeb Jackson, Brandon Johns, and Austin Davis on the floor at one time, which I would probably set that rotation on fire and not pursue that one. I think, Ter- I think Terrence Williams was in there as well. And maybe or at least three of those four guys were on the court pretty much at one point at some point in the second half for extended minutes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Let's call this game what it was. I mean, Eli Brooks was out. Mike Smith, who we just, we just sang his praises about the Wisconsin game was 0 for six, but him Franz Isaiah livers combined to go, I think like seven for 26 from the floor. So Eli Brooks doesn't play those three guys shoot like that. And Hunter Dickinson was pretty much neutralized. Yeah. That's your entire starting lineup. Just was not a factor in this game. That's not that's not going to happen more than maybe one or two times, if it happens at all again the rest of the season. Um, and I think something that you and I had talked about before is that not that you're rooting for them to lose, but you're kind of ready to see them lose just to see what it might look like. Now that we've seen it, I mean, to me, it's... You know, they went almost two full months into this season without you know, tasting blood in their mouth without really getting punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of living a, a charmed life, so to speak, due for a setback. And and to me, what ultimately happened on Saturday, or to me, what happened on Saturday is really ultimately a concern if it happens, it becomes a trend. But there were so many things that happened in this game that, again, your entire starting five is not going to be ineffective uh, for, I mean, God, maybe any more games the rest of the year. There were so many things like that. Uh, like I said, Robbins hitting 
pretty much three line drive. Uh, Those three. they were laser shots, man. I, I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a trajectory that low on a shot before. But like I said, it's you know you want to get in the the weeds and break it down. And and the the one thing that is a concern to me is the turnovers. For you're sure. Not gonna win, I mean, you're not going to win any games with 20 turnovers. You're just not. And, and we know that they. You know, these are not John Beeline teams where they're only going to turn over the ball five or six times a game, but let's, can we split the difference? Can we do 12 or 13? Like even yeah, that's yeah. probably on the high end, but you know, they gave, they gave Minnesota 20 extra possessions is what it boils down to. And again, that mixed with everything I just talked about, it's uh, just, it feels not to poo poo it because it was a bad game, but it just feels like an anomaly. I, that's what I texted you guys all. And again, knock on wood, hopefully this I'm right about this. I'll go on record and say, I think that's the worst game they're going to play all season. They're going to lose more games. And I'm not saying that they're going to play good in every game, the remainder of the year, but this was the Murphy's law of games. You had your, you had a wing and Eli Brooks who was out, but where, where they were affected by that wasn't the fact that he was out in at that position because Johnny Brown played, he was the only guy from Michigan who played a really good game on Saturday. And he's been phenomenal for this basketball team. He's, I'd be stunned if there's a better six man in the big 10 than, than him. He's a great energy guy, great defender, but where they were impacted was that Eli Brooks, when Mike Smith needs a breather uh, is the backup point guard. That guy's out, which means when Mike Smith, who played his worst game as a, a Michigan Wolverine on Saturday goes to the bench or is struggling, who's running the offense. Well, then it's Zeb Jackson. Who's the next point guard on your roster. And Zeb Jackson, I think is going to be awesome here. I think he's a great athlete four-star recruit. I think he's going to do some really good things at Michigan. He's not ready. I mean, that's unfair at, in any capacity to expect that a freshman who's played uh, maybe 15 minutes all season to come in and, and facilitate and lead an offense when you're playing on the road against a ranked opponent. And, and obviously it would have helped if you would have gotten a good game by your point guard. You didn't, you turned the ball over three times, did have 10 assists, but didn't store, but didn't score. Yeah. It was just a brutal game. man. It was just a really, really ugly game to watch. And it needs to be said. Absolutely. Absolutely. needs to be said. Minnesota played great. I mean, they adjusted. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I, they adjusted like people, people like to, to dump on Richard Patino. And I guess there's, you know, nepotism involved in that. You know, we, we know, we know who his father is, but I, I don't think he does a bad job there at all. In fact, you have a 10 day switch between getting, getting massacred in Ann Arbor. You come back, you win by 18. They fixed a lot of the problems that uh, were there when they played Michigan in Ann Arbor, they shut down Dickinson Dickinson, only nine points, only attempted five field goals, which means he wasn't really comfortable all game. He turned the ball over five times you brought up the rotations as well and I look I think in general the approval rating for Juwan so far is extremely high I will say I there was a long stretch of that game where Dickinson was out and you know again I this guy is the, the last person I'm going to take as gospel but uh, Dockich was just insistent that it was uh because Dickinson was lacking effort defensively I don't know Juwan did elude in the that. press what's up I said I don't buy that but I don't buy it completely. He wasn't playing well. Yes. Juwan did allude to the fact that he felt like some guys outside of Chandi did not play their best game, did not bring their best effort. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, super harsh about it, but it was odd to me that in that moment where Michigan for like had a kind of a boop on, on the, on the flat line there for a second, they cut it to eight. You had a breakaway dunk with Franz Wagner at the under 12 timeout. And you had the opportunity to get Shondi and Dickinson back in the game with fresh legs. You just went with Shondi and you kept either Williams or, or, or Jackson in, in the game. And it, the offense just didn't flow. It, 
Minnesota played really solid and, and defensively they shut down Michigan. I talked about this, you know, before we recorded and you've mentioned it as well, that this is a team that might not have much of a weakness. I agree with you. Saturday was a prime example of a game that we talked about where the shots weren't going in early on at points that were getting some good looks also forcing a lot of looks shots didn't go in. I wonder if this team much like 2013, I think, even though that team was not stout defensively, I think this team's biggest weakness might be themselves. Cause we've seen against Minnesota the first time against, against Wisconsin, against Northwestern, against solid opponents, when they are moving the ball well, when they're setting screens, when the rotations are solid, when they're getting open looks, they look as good as any team in the country. They came out flat against Minnesota. And I'm not saying they would have won anyway, but it just felt like, I'm not going to say they were reading press clippings or anything like that. I just think they played a poor game. I don't, but I didn't come away from that loss saying, okay, we've somebody has finally found a way to crack the Michigan nut. I don't feel that. Like I I do feel like that this is a team that on most days is going to beat most of the opponents that they play. I just think that their, their biggest issue at points could, could end up being themselves. It feels that way. And I almost, I feel, I almost broke into a Dan Dockich like impersonation there. We're we're not going to go down that road today. I'm I'm not here to make anyone else's ears bleed like mine (laughs) on Saturday, but, um, I think the thing you can say most about this game is that I talked, so we talked earlier about how after Michigan dominated Wisconsin, they shot up Ken Palm. They moved into the top five. They were top 10 defensive team. I think they were ranked sixth offensively, something like that. After as, as bad as that game was on Saturday for Michigan, they dropped one spot in Ken Palm. Yeah. They went from four to five. Um, so the data you know, whatever numbers are used to, you know, it's all, it's an efficiency thing, whatever data is used to crunch those numbers. The data doesn't seem see this as an outlook altering loss. And I don't, I, again, I didn't see that as the hardest thing about Saturday's game was just getting to the clock hitting zero. Um, and you know, for most people, they could just turn it off, but no. we can't. That's, yeah. It's that's the toughest part is just waiting for it to, um, just waiting for the game to end when everything's going that poorly. So mm-hmm. again, um, I'm uh, outside of the turnover stuff. And again, you know, maybe Eli Brooks's injury. Like, I don't know how long that's going to linger anytime, you know, they say he was in a walking boot for precautionary reasons, but I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but is anyone ever go in a walking boot and is fine and spry like a couple days later? I don't know if I buy that. So that's something to keep an eye on going into this game Tuesday uh, against Maryland. But other than that, like I said, they were going to lose at some point. I, I think no, nobody has gone undefeated in college basketball since like the 1970s. So, right. Right. And no, and they weren't going to do it in this conference, especially, you know, you look at the resumes, Michigan still tied atop the big 10 standings with Iowa. I was a unit and I know I kind of, I kind of, you know, brush them to the side because they don't play defense. And I, I think Fran McCaffrey's kind of a hack, but that's a really talented team. I, I mean, and they have the best player in the conference and as poor as they are defensively, and that may hold them back oh, come tournament time, they're going to be the favorite in almost every game they play the rest of the season. They've lost one game in conference. Guess who it was to? It was to Minnesota. This, that's the one thing we didn't mention. Minnesota undefeated at home this year in the barn. I know no fans, but as we've talked about a little bit before, there's Again, still something objectively to speaking a good basketball team. Yes. And there's still something to home court advantage, whether it be 
travel, just the comfortability playing in a different gym. It does, it does still make a difference in the, in the numbers in terms of the records uh, by big 10 teams at home this season have reflected that take. So like, I, I like where this team's at. I, I think it, we've, we've been fair and how we've criticized how they played against Minnesota, but it's also worth noting how fun they've been through a whole majority of this season. And we've Anthony, we root for the same teams. We've watched too much crap over the last year plus to not acknowledge how efficient and how fun this basketball team has been. And really I, they've already in a weird way and we'll see what happens come tournament time exceeded a lot of the expectations uh, that we've had for them that we're seven games into the big 10 season and they're going to be in the thick of things. I'm not saying they're going to win the big 10, but they're going to be one of the most formidable teams in the best conference in the country. And considering it's year two and all the crazy circumstances surrounding this season, that's about as much as you can ask for. Hopefully they'll bounce back after that uh, difficult Minnesota loss. Do you have anything else to add, man, before we uh, kick it over to social media stuff? Uh, just an interesting little statistic. Um, I'm not a statistic again. Everything seems like our world revolves around Kempom here, but I, I do think it's one of the best tools in terms of just looking, gauging how things can go moving forward. Uh, Michigan has a 79% win expectancy for this game Tuesday against Maryland at home. It is the highest win expectancy they have for any game the rest of the year. So that kind of speaks to, I guess, maybe more to where Maryland's at right now. I don't think that's something we expected. But. They're they're the strangest team in the Big Ten because they've got two wins, and they're arguably the two most impressive road wins of the season. They went to Madison and won in the Cole Center to beat Wisconsin. And Illinois, who I was, I've been huge on for months, is appearing more and more fraudulent, but they still went to Illinois and won. They are near in that bottom tier in the Big Ten. But yeah, it's if you're going to play a team following a loss outside of Nebraska, it's arguably the best team that Michigan could possibly play under the circumstances. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see where things go from here. I look forward to seeing or to watching this team again, because despite how bad things went Saturday, uh, they've been a real joy to watch and to cover so far this season. So Anthony social media plugs, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T broom. You can find uh, the website, the podcast over at uh, maze and brew podcasts are on or at Maze and Brew on Twitter. God, I, I, I do this off the top of my head. I really should start writing this stuff down. Uh, we can get the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Join our Discord. I'm going to throw that the link to that into, probably start throwing them in the podcast description and also our Twitter bio. So uh, we've been having a lot of fun over there uh, chatting. And, you know, there's a lot going on right now with both sports. So, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, keep the good feedback coming. Uh, Chris has been doing a great job. Um, my everyone, everyone's been doing a great job. Uh, I do the best I can. So again, uh, follow us on those platforms. And again, I appreciate your guys' time at Castellani 2014 on Twitter. You know, this is, I've had Twitter since 2009 you know, before I probably should have had a Twitter, but, uh, I, and this is the longest I've gone without tweeting. I don't know when I'll come back, but you're welcome to follow me there. And you can find the link to my other stuff. My YouTube page just reviewed a uh, one night in Miami, which uh, I highly recommend really good Amazon prime film and my other show locked on tigers at locked on tigers on a Twitter, uh, go to, uh, go that can be found wherever podcasts can are, but I would recommend go to Apple podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written, a positive five-star review of that program leave a written positive five-star review of what we're doing here on maize and brew it would be much much appreciated we will be i mean well you're going to see me and anthony on tomorrow for the brewcast but this podcast in its current form will be back a week from now thank you very much for tuning in everybody we will see you later
Right on.